Betwixt the years 2017 and 2019, John and Jen were excited to spend 10 months in the South Pacific as associate and missions workers in the country of Vanuatu. They served there under Peter and Robin Gratian, veteran missionaries who previously ministered to the Solomon Islands in Papua New Guinea. John and Jen were excited for the opportunity to serve the mission work and learn from the missionaries' wise, experienced leadership. And one Friday evening in Vanuatu, the missionaries invited the younger couple to their house for homemade pizza. Who doesn't love pizza? The Gracians began to regale them with stories of their mission ministry around the South Pacific. They told stories of protection from sickness and disease. They spoke about working with cannibals and children of cannibals in Papua New Guinea. They recalled the many sacrifices of Western comfort they voluntarily gave up in order to reach the wonderful inhabitants of the South Pacific with the gospel. John and Jen sat in wonder, amazed at the privilege to hear such great stories of faith firsthand while eating some of the finest homemade pizza on the planet. They were full of questions for these veterans of the faith. At one point, John asked if they ever feared for their safety or their life. Or if maybe sometimes they would rather have stayed and pastored in a westernized country, closer to family with modern medicine, conveniences, comforts, safety. Missionary Peter Gratian, he didn't have to think for long. He responded, and I quote, One thing I have discovered is you are always safer in the will of God than anywhere else. When you follow God's will and his commandments, there is nowhere else that could possibly be safer. Yes, we could have pastored in a westernized country in a safe suburb, but that wouldn't have been God's will. We would have been in more spiritual and physical danger there because we were outside of God's plan for our lives. So when you are in God's will and following his commandments, it doesn't matter if you're in the most remote island or even a war-torn, oppressive country. You will always be safer in God's will than anywhere else in the world. End quote. End of story. End of introduction. And we're going to hear more about being in the middle of the will of God and His commandments right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode continues our series, The God of Deliverance, and today's episode is entitled, The Ten Commandments. And of course, those are found in Exodus chapter 20, but our verse today is found in Romans 16, verse 26. But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. We often hear about the Ten Commandments. In reality, God gave them a whole lot more than ten. He actually gave them 613 distinct commandments throughout the entire law. But the Ten Commandments are significant because they're the first ten. They're like God's top ten list, listed after Moses came down off Mount Sinai. These Ten Commandments are still godly guidelines all believers should follow. First question. Think back to when you first learned about the Ten Commandments. Which one of them stood out to you most? Now here's another question, a hard question. 
which is the hardest for you to follow. The Ten Commandments are recorded twice in the Old Testament. I know, mind blown, right? They're recorded first in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. But the second time they're recorded is in Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 5 through 22. The book of Deuteronomy, it's hard to spell, hard to pronounce, but it contains a recounting and review of the law and the teaching we see in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. The name Deuteronomy literally means second law. Sorry, that's not going to help you in Wordle because Deuteronomy is a lot longer than five letters. Now, these two accounts of the Ten Commandments are virtually identical, but there is one important complementary difference between the two of them. Both versions list the fourth commandment as a directive to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Exodus 20, verse 8, Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. The Sabbath was the day the Israelites rested from their labor and they spent time with God. They focused on their relationship with God. God wanted to make sure the Israelites were resting regularly to spend time with God and remember that God was their ultimate provider. In Exodus, Israel was to remember the Sabbath day because that was the example God gave at creation. God created the world in six days, rested the seventh. So if God himself rested, who are we to think we're busier than God? We certainly can't outwork him. In Deuteronomy, The Israelites were told to spend the Sabbath thinking about their deliverance out of Egypt. By resting on the Sabbath, Israel could remember the conditions from which God delivered them. The Sabbath is also an opportunity to remember we cannot deliver ourselves by our own efforts, no matter how hard we try, how hard we work, just like the Israelites could not work hard enough to free themselves from Egypt. The Ten Commandments, just ten of the larger 613, caused a lot of questions on exactly how the law should be followed. In fact, by the time Jesus showed up, several different religious sects had different interpretations on exactly how the law should be followed, how these various commandments should be obeyed. When Jesus walked the earth, many people sought to challenge him on his knowledge of the law. They didn't know he's the one who wrote it. A group called the Pharisees were some of the most confrontational. One of them, a lawyer, challenged Jesus one day and asked him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Matthew 22, verse 36. Jesus answered, stunned them. Jesus replied, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. The first great commandment to which Jesus referred was from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. The second is from a more obscure passage in Leviticus 19, verse 18. You might have missed it if you skim Leviticus. I know, I know, I know you skim Leviticus. Jesus said every prophecy and commandment in the Old Testament hangs, depends on these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And together, they have been called the joint love commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments all have to do with how we love God. The remaining six all demonstrate ways in which we love our neighbor. In fact, some would argue that the overwhelming majority of the remaining 603 commandments have to do with loving one another, since most of those address civil procedures, how to treat foreigners, how to settle disputes. Since Jesus said the Law and the Prophets rested on these two commandments, all of the Old Testament either teaches us how to love God or how to love our neighbor. And when we seek to love God and our neighbor, we will fulfill the law. 
You might say one plus one equals ten. Love God, love your neighbor, and you can keep all ten commandments. You could even go so far as to say one plus one equals 613. Some people find it difficult to understand this relationship between faith and the Ten Commandments. But the law was never designed to save Israel. Paul wrote, No one could be justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Galatians 2 verse 16. Paul also wrote, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Romans 1, verse 17, Paul quoting from the book of Habakkuk. Living by faith is not a New Testament idea. The well-known phrase, The just shall live by faith, that's found in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, an Old Testament book written by the prophet Habakkuk, which when I was a kid I used to call him Habakkuk. It's evident the law was never designed to be followed as an end-all to salvation, but as a guideline to teach the Israelites how to live by faith. So when you think of faith versus law, what do you think of? How can we walk by faith daily instead of living legalistically? The Old Testament was not designed to be permanent. Paul wrote, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that, After faith has come, we no longer need a schoolmaster. In another place, Paul said the scriptures of the prophets brought us to the place where all people of every nation could know the obedience of faith, Romans 16, verse 26. A schoolmaster was somebody who would walk the kids to school, make sure they were safe, keep them out of danger, keep them out of trouble. We might call them a nanny or an au pair. Their job was to work themselves out of a job by helping the children grow up and mature. That was the law. The law wasn't given forever. It was given to take us by the hand and lead us straight to the center cross on Calvary, and the gospel would take it from there. Jesus said the first commandment, the first great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The book of Mark adds the phrase, and with all thy strength, Mark 12, verse 30. Basically, we are to love God with everything we have within us. These four elements, heart, soul, mind, strength, they give us a good picture of how complete our devotion must be to God. Think about those four elements. Loving God with our heart, soul, mind, strength. What are some examples of loving God in each of these aspects of your life? For you, which aspect is easiest to love God? Which aspect is hardest? When you think about loving God with your mind, you might think about listening to a podcast just like God's Word for life and letting the Word of God sink first into your mind and then down into your heart where you apply what you've just learned. The first four of the Ten Commandments, they teach us an important aspect of loving God. The first commandment forbade the Israelites from having any other God before Jehovah. The second commandment is related to the first. The Israelites were not to make any images or idols to serve and worship in place of Jehovah. Today, the gods that come between us and the one true God might not be physical idols of marble or metal, but sometimes our contemporary idols are work or money or an individual or an athlete or an actor who distract us from serving God completely. The third commandment cautioned the Israelites not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Many people have correctly interpreted this as a directive not to use God's name flippantly or blasphemously as a byword or as a curse. 
But this concept entails so much more than this. It's deeper, it's stronger, it's weightier than this. We should not misuse God's name with things that are not holy or consistent with God's nature. When someone proclaims the name of God over things that are clearly sinful and unrighteous to justify them, that's another form of using God's name in vain. It's even using God's name in vain to say we love God, live for God, but we don't. We carry his name in vain. The fourth commandment was already mentioned earlier. The Sabbath day must be kept regularly as a time to reflect and commune with God, free from the distractions of this life. This time of rest causes us to grow closer to God week by week. The commandments to love God, they're not for God's benefit only. The commandments, including the first four, are for ours as well. When we prioritize loving God, we discover peace, rest, comfort He desires for us, designed for us. And even more than this, we find spiritual protection and deliverance when we submit in obedience to God. As the Gratian missionary family said, you are always safer in the will of God and following His commands. The second great commandment Jesus said was, love thy neighbor as thyself. This directive is difficult (laughs) because of the added phrase, as thyself. It's not enough to simply love others. We must love them as much as we love our own selves. Of the two great commandments Jesus referenced, this second one might be the hardest to follow. God is perfect and holy and righteous. People ain't. It seems easier to love a perfect God who loves us back and desires good things for us, but it's much harder to love imperfect, flawed people who might horribly wound and harm. And this is why the phrase, as thyself, is so vital. If we expect to receive love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness from others, well, we must freely give that to others as well. So here's a tough question. How do you respond in love to people who are not kind to you in return? If you haven't had your coffee yet, you might want to go ahead and take a sip. This is going to take a while. Each of the last six commandments within the ten fall into the category of love thy neighbor. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The fifth commandment calls God's people to honor their father and mother. For some who have had abusive or unloving parents, this can be hard to understand. But the love and honor we're called to give our parents is not dependent on their treatment of us. This doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be abused or continually taken advantage of. In fact, if you have been abused or being abused, you need to seek counsel from appropriate authorities. But the point of the passage is to love and to honor parents. Now, this is a shameless plug, and I apologize for it. I'll repent of it. But in my book, Ten Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments, I deal with this very subject. How do you honor parents who don't honor God? That's in ten words, and that's in the chapter for honoring your father and mother. Obviously, it's difficult to commit murder or cheat on one's spouse while you love the person we're sinning against. Stealing, lying, coveting, they're not conducive to loving our neighbor properly, certainly not as ourself. While stealing and telling lies seem like obvious offenses, covetousness, really? That's the top ten? It seems kind of unlikely. I mean, when's the last time you read a newspaper headline or you saw on your news feed, man arrested and sentenced to 15 years for coveting? 
But envy, covetousness, is dangerous because it's connected to resentment, dissatisfaction, frustration, even anger. Just like loving God offers safety and protection for the believer, so does loving one's neighbor. If love is our primary motivation in how we treat one another, we will experience healthy and wholesome relationships. We can better assess all our actions toward others if we measure whether or not we are acting out of love. As Paul said, we like Paul here, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law, Romans 13, verse 10. Here's another question. When you think of examples of evangelizing, performing acts of service, speaking uplifting words, being a peacemaker, how are these ways in which we love our neighbor? Okay, we're going to wrap this up. They were living in the small country of Vanuatu, and it taught John and Jen a lot about this important connection between the joint love commandments to love God and their neighbor. When they sat down around a fire with friends to eat new and unique foods they had never heard of before, they were loving God and loving their neighbors. And when they visited the marketplace or the homes of the locals to fellowship, they were loving God and loving their neighbors. When they visited the local hospital to pray for the child of one of the saints in the church, guess what they were doing? Yeah, you got it. Loving God and loving their neighbors. And when they spent the Sabbath day relaxing with church members, eating plantains and mangoes and reflecting on the goodness of God, they were eating healthy and they were loving God and loving their neighbors. The longer this young couple worked, the more they realized how these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor, could not be separated. They were like Siamese twins. One would die without the other. We love God by loving our neighbors. The two commandments are like two sides of the same coin. When we honor God, we find the strength to love our neighbors like we should. And when we love our neighbors, we honor God by demonstrating this transformative work he has performed in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that living out the joint love commandments is always easy, and we don't always perform them with perfection. All of us have experienced people hard to love. They're typically the people who don't treat us nicely, no matter how kind we are to them. Sometimes they're friends and family members who betrayed us, even if we did nothing to deserve their betrayal. In these situations, the love of God inside of us is tested. We can keep coming back to these joint love commandments to evaluate how we're doing. Loving God and loving our neighbors cannot be perfected in a day, but continually practiced over time. So that is our homework from now until Jesus comes. Let us all seek to learn some new meaningful ways every day to love God and love our neighbors. And let's pray about that. We're going to thank God for his word that shows us how to live a life honoring and pleasing to him. And then we're going to ask God, for help to follow the commandments to love him and love our neighbors. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. In your grace, you gave us your word to know how to be in relationship with you, how to honor you, how to please you. You are holy and we are not, but you have shown us how to live a holy life that brings you glory and honor. I thank you for that, for your grace, for the Ten Commandments. I do ask you today to give us the strength and the understanding and the wisdom to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us, Jesus, to love you and our neighbors in such a way that we honor you, we keep the Ten Commandments, we glorify you with our lives, that others will look to you and look to us as we live and love you. I pray, Jesus, that you would help us, those who have hurt us, to forgive them, 
to love them and to demonstrate the love of God you have shown to us to demonstrate that to them. I pray this today in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe and share. You won't miss an episode, and neither will your friends. And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com where you pick up some great resources. Again, this is a shameless plug. I'll have to repent again. But if you are looking for more resource on the Ten Commandments, perhaps you want to teach it, you want to learn it, you want to share them, there is a book called Ten Words, which I wrote. It's a practical look at the Ten Commandments, goes through all ten of them. And there's a bonus chapter that deals with what happens if you have to break one commandment to keep another. Aha, that's in there. So please head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find amazing resources there for your devotion and to help others in theirs. Next week, we continue and wrap up this series called The God of Deliverance, and we finish it in Exodus chapter 40 with an episode called Filled with God's Glory. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at pentecostalpublishing.com.